Well, hello there. Welcome along to another Orti Soccer Podcast. Delighted to say today we're joined by James O'Toole and by Gary Rogers. James, the regular man on the podcast. How are you after the weekend? Not too bad, Adrian. How are you? Good, good. Catch up much football over the the last few days? I caught a little bit, not much, because uh, I was away in a a lovely hotel down in Wicklow called Druid's Glen for the weekend. Oh, very nice. (coughs) Very nice. It was very nice. It was very nice. The whole family were there celebrating their birthday, so... So you, you really didn't catch much football, so I, I reckon. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and are you a golfer? No, can't stand it. <laughs> can't stand the sport. <laughs> the thing I like about you, James, and there are many things, but you're, you're very direct, you're honest, you don't, you, don't, you don't couch it. Do you like golf? No, can't stand it. No, no can't stand it. Can't Gary, are you, you're a golfer, I'd say, Gary, are you? Yeah, I like golf. Do you? If I can get out to play it, yeah. Played last week for the first time in a while, so it's, uh, yeah, if I can get out, I enjoy it. Druids Glen, have you have you tried your luck there? Yeah, played it. I, I played it there about a year and a half ago. It's a lovely, lovely spot, Druids Glen. I'm sure James enjoyed himself down there. It's actually it is a gorgeous spot. In fairness, that there's a lovely hole. The 13th hole is just underneath the, um, the the hotel, and it's just a beautiful thing to look at. If you're if you're any good at golf, I'm sure it'd, it'd be a good test of your capabilities. I, I'm sure you were across everything that went on, James. Big story, of course, of the weekend. Shelburne back in the Premier Division. You tweeted, congratulations, but you tweeted, I do so through gritted teeth. <laughs> Why so? Ah, <laughs> uh, Listen, Derry City and Shelburne have had their uh, clashes over the years, going all the way back to the, what, 20 years ago, maybe, to the pizza equals Judas situation when <laughs> Peter Hutton left Derry and went to Shelburne. But uh, uh, it was only a bit of crack. Um, it's great to see them back, actually. I'm over the moon for uh, Brendan Clark, I have to say. And they're one of your old clubs, Gary, you know, way, way, way back. You started really at Shelburne, didn't you? So do you have a yeah. soft spot for them? Yeah, absolutely. Started there. Didn't Never played a first-team game. I went out on loan to St. Francis. Um, but I kind of got my opportunity there with Dermot Keeley to come in and train with Fred Davis and Steve Williams, but went on loan and, and started my career there, basically. But, uh, yeah, no, it's good to see them back up. Like, obviously, a massive club, um, Shelburne. Like, they were the kingpins in, in the noughties, if you like, and the standard bears, and they really kind of, uh, I suppose, captured the imagination back then, you know, with that the Deportivo and that great European run. So, look, they'll feel they're back where they belong, and it's good to see see them up and uh, you know they'll be eager to kind of build a, a very competitive squad for the Premier Division next year. Okay well let's get stuck into Shelburne we'll, we'll chat all things League of Ireland and obviously look ahead to Ireland against Azerbaijan which is coming up on Saturday also the under-21s playing Luxembourg and we'll chat about Derry and their recent signing and the capture of Michael Duffy very very shortly and we'll touch on Liverpool Manchester City from the weekend in the Premier League but hats off to Shelburne making a rapid return to the Premier Division after a 1-0 win over Treaty at Tulka Park confirmed promotion back to the Premier Division from the First Division Georgie Poynton with a penalty and at the weekend I caught up with the Shelburne boss Ian Morris Yeah fantastic fantastic it's, it's, it's been a tough long season and the goal at the start of the year was to get promoted, and, and we've achieved it. And we've uh, the, the lads deserve so much credit that they've been absolutely fantastic this year, and, and I can't speak highly enough about them. And the scenes last night after the one nil win over Treaty United, how special were they? Unbelievable! When everyone came onto the pitch, and the, the, the joy and the, the passion in the fans' faces, the emotion as well. It's an emotional night for, for a lot of people, and it just gives you that that reality of what it means to people and, and it's fantastic to be able to, to to give that back to the fans. And what kind of nice was it? What kind of game was it? Because obviously Treaty are very much in the mix in terms of the promotion playoff places but a 1-0 win, you needed a Georgie point and penalty but was it a nervy kind of evening? 
I think the start of the game was, yeah, it started off fairly nervy and then towards the end of the first half, we were excellent. Uh, unlucky, probably should have went in at half-time um, leading, uh, but we just knew we just needed to keep turning the screw, stay in the game and, and we get chances. And, and luckily enough, we did. And Georgie's held his cool, uh, been fantastic lately and he's uh, he's put us in front and, and we've done really well to to hold on you, you know how games like that go the last five minutes are, are always nervy affairs but um, defensively we were fantastic was it a late night? it was okay <laughs> <laughs> it was okay it was okay it could be a late weekend yeah yeah you'll probably recover by Thursday or Friday maybe ah so look we, we, look, we still have three games to go and, and, and we can't disrespect that we, we don't want to lose a game um, for, till the end of the season again so uh, the, the, the celebrations can put on ice till UCD the squad is so so strong I mean look the table doesn't lie you're, you're so far ahead your squad is very very strong though and you, you recruited well after relegation last year yeah we did we, we brought in some really really good players um, we, we knew going into this year we were going to be up against it with Galway uh, and Cork investing and, and training full time and UCD with the fantastic facilities and recruitment is brilliant from them all the time so we, we knew we were going to be up against it uh, throughout the year and and there's been a lot of pressure and how the players have dealt with that pressure has been nothing short of fantastic and um, we've had to perform, we've had to grind results out and we've done it in style as well so um, really, really proud of the group of players. Yeah, who stood out for you? I mean, I know it's it's difficult for a manager to single out players but who has made the difference in particular this year? Um, uh, yeah, it's difficult. You go through the whole team. I think Ryan Brennan's with, with his with his 14 goals, uh, 15 goals, like you, you take that out of the team, you, you're not winning a lot of points there. And So I think he's been fantastic. But equally, Ali, Luke at centre-half, Clarkey and goal. Uh, you can go through the whole back. You can go through everyone. There's been too many big performances. Single, one single person out. Um, the, the group as a whole have been, have been brilliant. And just the one defeat all season long down in Galway a few weeks ago. But that's quite impressive too because James O'Toole on the Yorty podcast I think he might even had a, a bit of a, a wager on it, a bet on it, that Shelburne would go through the whole season unbeaten. <laughs> so he lost that yeah. bet, but just one defeat, that, that's quite something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm even still a little bit frustrated with, with that one defeat. Um, it was just a night where the game turned into a scrappy affair and we, we didn't deal as well with what we should have. And, but look, <laughs> that, yeah, I'm not complaining about that now, but that's just the standards we want to set for ourselves to, to win every single game. and we will try and do that towards the, in the next three games finish the year out yeah you managed obviously last year in the Premier Division with Shelburne that, that curtailed season and you got caught in the closing matches in the, in the last few games and were eventually relegated now in terms of next year looking ahead to 2022 is the Shelburne squad as is strong enough to compete or will you have to recruit even further oh, I think every year I, I don't think there's, there's many managers who don't go through uh, any off-season period without recruiting so uh, you're always looking to improve when you have to uh, that there is a step up going from first division to premier division so we will need to add some quality to the squad um, and we'll try our best to do that and make sure our recruitment is right there you go that's uh, Ian Morris the Shelburne boss speaking to me at the weekend James you, d- you did have a few quid am I right on Shelburne going through the season unbeaten yeah, I thought they'd definitely go through the season of beating. It was that Galway game, and I wouldn't mind. I think that was a week after I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went and lost. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said Your word, fault, no. Here, I'm not on the pitch. Come on. But uh, in fairness, it's such a good run for him. I'm just hope for Ian's sake 
as you mentioned that interview, there was the curtailed season. They got caught. They got relegated. I just hope for his sake he gets a good run at it in the Premier Division because I think that squad is well capable of staying up in the Premier Division and it'll also be great for the league to get that Bowles versus Shells game back. Um, it's a bit like Finn Harps versus Derry. There's little games around the, the league that clubs need and, 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 and that game in particular in Dublin is a needed game between Shells and, and Bowles. So I hope they stay up and I hope they give a good, good run at it. And I'm looking now as well. Their opponent last weekend, Treaty, if Shelburne beat Athlone, this weekend, that means Treaty are at least guaranteed a playoff spot, and that'd be some job for them. In fairness, and put together two weeks before the season started. Absolutely superb job by Tommy Barrish, regardless of, of what way it plays out. Gary, just on Shelburne though, and, and the question of you know competing in the Premier Division next season. Obviously, as we mentioned there, Ian, he'll be looking to recruit. But how good do you think they are? Because obviously, when people looked at the first division and the depth and strength of the Shelburne squad. They, they felt they were not quite nailed on to secure promotion, but they had the biggest budget and they looked very, very strong from the outset. So it was no great surprise, really, that they got promotion in the end. But in terms of that, that step up between the First Division and the Premier, how big, how big a gulf do you think that is for them to bridge again? Yeah, I think it, there is certainly a gulf there. Um, I don't think it's, you know, recruitment will be key and they do need to recruit. Like, I've watched Shelburne a number of times this season and they've been... They've been good without being great, if you like. like. They've won a lot of games and they're just kind of, they have plenty of experienced players in that group and that, that know-how and they were able to, to get games and uh, win games and by one goal here and there and they were very efficient on set pieces and stuff like that. So I do think, um, you know, they definitely need to recruit. Like you look at Longford this year, they didn't really recruit. They stuck to what they had from last year and you do need to freshen up. So I think you probably see Ian Morris go to the market and try and bring in maybe five or six new players to add to what he's got there. And, uh, you know, he'll definitely need to do that. He'll know from the experience of, of before where they slipped down into relegation last year and, and didn't maintain uh, Premier Division status. So they'll be eager to to put things in place and now they've kind of got time to do it as well like they finished the league season early so the, the, their recruitment process will have already started I'd imagine Yeah Lots of good players there at Shelburne and they'll be looking forward to 2022 with great uh, optimism and a terrific season so congrats great scenes at Tulka Park on Friday night elsewhere in the first division Wexford with a good win over UCD by two goals to one Jack Doherty and Kyle Robinson Liam Kerrigan scoring for UCD again uh, Bray Wanderers nil Cork City nil and Athlone Town with a, a very good win over Cabin Tilly by two goals to one James Dune and Curtis Byrne with an absolute peach of a goal one of your old teammates of course Gary but a belter of a goal from uh, Curtis Byrne and Cove Rounders nil Galway United won Rory Keating with the only goal of the game but Galway boss John Caulfield not too happy after the game because he was talking about the Irish under 21 squad because of course Ireland play Luxembourg on Friday at Tallis Stadium in that qualifying game and then they travel to Montenegro but because Montenegro is on the red list for the UK that means that Irish players based in England have to quarantine when they come back so clubs will be reluctant to let them travel so as a result Jim Crawford has called up several players from the League of Ireland, including Galway's Alex Murphy. He's included in the squad. But John Caulfield, a little unhappy with that particular situation. He spoke to Jonathan Higgins after Galway's win in Cove on Friday night. Um, very difficult game. You know, I come down here and Cove make it very difficult because they get 11 behind the ball and, you know, you're trying to break them down. But it's a very difficult tight pitch and they turned it into a right battle in the last half an hour. And... Um, 
you know, I suppose, look, we came for three points. Ultimately, had Conor Cairns anything really to, to do? He caught a few crosses, but they hadn't any clear-cut chance. But I suppose it became frantic in the end because they were just throwing men forward and, and, and putting long balls into the box. But, um, you know, for us, it was just a night when... Uh, no, we certainly should have scored at least at least two more, three more goals. But uh, you know, but we won the match, so look, we move on. Just on a separate note as well, Alex got that good news as well. Call up to the under twenty one squad. I suppose that's a, you know, it's not just the focus on him; it's the bigger picture. There's so much good work done in Galway football in circles as well, and uh, we've had didn't have players involved for many years as well. To have someone involved and call up the squad, I know it might be a minor inconvenience to you at times, you know, in the fact that he's not available. But I suppose in the overall picture, it's still positive news. Yeah, but they're being used, they're being used like guinea pigs. You know, they've picked a squad for the under-21s and if a number of players from England can't go, they're going to rush our players to Montenegro. So I think it's an insult to Alex Murphy, to our club and to players in the League of Ireland that they're, that they're second choice. And, um, you know, he's an under-18 international, he's under-19 potentially and they're calling for the under-21 team if 13 players can't leave from England. So I think it's disrespectful to our league, to the club, to Alex Murphy. You know, it's poor taste. If Montenegro, if we can't get a team out to Montenegro, well then we should fall for the match. You know, because you know, if we can't bring the players from England who are who are picked in the first squad and they can't travel well, you know, why should the guys over here be guinea pigs when they're not wanted for next Friday's match in the first place? I can see it's very frustrating to you. It's very disappointing because our players have been used for guinea pigs. Our League of Ireland players have been used for guinea pigs for the Irish team, and it's, it's totally wrong. Okay, and that's why you know people need to show respect and decency. And while people may pick a second panel and think, "Oh, it's great," we we'll just give the League of Ireland fellas a call up, call them up for next Friday night, so I'll let them play next Friday night, and then bring them to Montenegro. If that's the case. Does it frustrate you then as well that fixtures have to be moved as a result of what you said? You know, players being pulled in. Well, that's the, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. You know, it's, it's a precedent has been set. Normally before, games aren't called off for under-21 players. Yes, for senior internationals, not for under-21s, but obviously a precedent has been set, is going to be set this week. But as I said, that if the League of Ireland players are wanted, bring them next Friday night to the game against Luxembourg and play them in that game and then, and then bring them to Montenegro. That's, that's my, my take on it. That's uh, John Caulfield speaking to Jonathan Higgins on Friday night after uh, several League of Ireland players were called up to the under-21 squad for the game in Montenegro. Not necessarily the game against Luxembourg on Friday because of that uh, red list issue for English-based clubs. Uh, Gary, you heard that and I'm sure you, you read the quotes as well over the weekend from John Caulfield. Obviously quite irked. It's just moments after the game. So he was obviously perhaps frustrated that their game next weekend is going to be uh, postponed as a result of uh, the call-up for Alex Murphy. But he's saying it's disrespectful, Ireland should forfeit the match, players being used as guinea pigs. What's your view on what he says? Yeah, well, it's strong stuff by John. Um, I suppose my view on it, I'd imagine, look, as a, coming from a player's point of view, I think the League of Ireland players will be delighted to get into the under-21 squad, uh, under squad and to have an opportunity to go and play in Montenegro. So for players on an individual case-by-case basis, they'll all be buzzing to be to be involved. I agree with John in terms of they should probably be called in. It should have been just one squad as opposed to making an example or highlighting the fact that they're not in the first squad. So they should have just named a bigger squad for the two games and brought them all in together. Uh, you know, I'd say the under-21s are coming in today in preparation for, for the game of Friday night. So bring them all in together, get them all used to each other and the surroundings and whatever team can go, can go to Montenegro. But he certainly, um, he didn't hold back there. Um, and that's, that's Johnny wears his heart in his sleeve. And uh, look, he, he's, he's, he's some good points in that. But, you know, in terms of, from a player's point of view, if I'm a player, I don't care how I get a call up. I want to play for Ireland. And, and if that means going to Montenegro, 
um, next Tuesday. I would have been buzzing, so I'm sure the players themselves will be more than happy to go. Yeah, and we've had that instance, of course, over the years with, with players from the League of Ireland being drafted in, you know, even back to Jack Charlton's days. And of course, you were part of an Irish squad as well. For you, that was very special, wasn't it? Absolutely. Look, it's, you know, you, you hear the, the senior lads talk about, you know, representing the country. I think no matter what Irish players, you know, come into squads, they're always buzzing to get into an Irish squad. And, and to be, like, these are generally guys that they grew up with through underage squads the whole way through and, and friends of theirs. And, and they all really enjoy representing the country. Look, it's the pinnacle of your career to, to be involved in an Irish senior squad or under 21s or whatever the level is. You know, that's what you, 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 you want from in your career is to, is to represent your country. And um, I think it's a great opportunity for the League of Ireland boys, you know, to to hopefully do that next week and uh, like I think you know that call for them guys would be very special and and you know they'll they'll want obviously to take part in it. James your view on the argument that John puts forward that League of Ireland players have been used as guinea pigs what's your take on it? I think John as Gary says there like it's a privilege to be called into them squads but I think those guys should be meeting up with that squad tomorrow like they, as they will be meeting up ahead of the Luxembourg game. I, I think that's where the disrespect comes in. If you're going to call them in, you call them in for the full camp and you go from there. But it doesn't, like, reading reports and stuff about this, it doesn't just seem to be a red list issue. It seems to be a vaccination issue more than that because there is talk that the solution for this is the Irish players who show their vaccinated certs when they return to the UK or Germany, as it may be, can avoid quarantine, but like okay. as Carford himself mentioned the other day, twenty five percent of his first team squad aren't vaccinated. Mm. So there's also this issue that that he has to deal with. And in fairness to Crawford, he it's an issue that's been thrown on his his lap. He has to find a way out of it, and the way out of it for him is to get some of the under twenty under the League of Ireland players involved in the squad. But I do feel if they're involved in the squad, they need to be involved right away throughout and need to be. Like there's no point you put. Yeah, I think so paper. too, James. I think they should have been brought in today. Like I would imagine the squad arrived today for preparation of Friday after the weekend, and it, you know, in order for them to feel more part of it and get used to the kind of international environment, because some of them obviously will have underage caps under their belts, but they may not have been in the under twenty ones before, and it'd be a good experience for them for this week going into the following week. A- any theories, Gary, as to why they may not have gone down that route? Because it, it seems obvious when you oh, say I- it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe because they're, they're unsure uh, as of yet what, what the situation will be, you know, um, and they probably don't want to bring in maybe 10 players and then not bring them to Montenegro because they obviously think that there is that possibility of, of the English-based players being able to go as well. So maybe, maybe it's that. Look, obviously, I, I don't know the, the ins and outs of, of the reasons why, but that would be my guess on it, you know. OK, well, it's a big game on Friday, of course, against Luxembourg and Montenegro the following Tuesday. Luxembourg game live on RT2 television on Friday evening. It kicks off at a quarter past five. James, they slipped up last time out in Luxembourg, drawing 1-1. It was a game after a terrific start to the qualifying campaign, beating Bosnia in Bosnia and Herzegovina to slip up and draw. So they have to bank three points on Friday, don't they? Yeah, they have to bank three points. You would think after the first game, they were on, they were on to an absolute winner because they were, they were very, very good in the first game. But that's what happens in international football. You can come up against a team who you just can't get that win against. But they have a great opportunity on Friday at home in Tala. Bit of a crowd in, fingers crossed, live on the television. Um, the, I, I, was, I would expect they, they could write that one straight away. Have you seen much of the, the under-21s, Gary? Are, are you familiar with them? 
Yeah, no, I, I've watched a good bit. I, I've been really impressed with, I suppose, the Irish lads, for want of a better word, who've been playing in the League of Ireland. I think it's been it's been great to see guys who've been playing week in, week out, like Andy Lyons and Dawson Devoye, and obviously uh, Ross Tierney, who've all done really well when they've gone in. So uh, you've Brian Maher in there as well, and he's been a regular. So it's been good to see, you know, the under-21s progress. Obviously, look, you know, you've, you've like, the Kilkenny and Coventry, who've been doing well, obviously, Kilkenny at Bournemouth and stuff like that. So, like you know, there's real you know good talent coming through in the 21s, and that's been the case from when Stephen took took the job, and Jim has obviously continued that. We always tend to ask you the obvious goalkeeping question, but you mentioned Brian Maher there of Bray Wanderers. How good is he? Uh, Brian is excellent. I think you know Brian has been an under underage international all the way up, and you know he has that kind of. Uh, I suppose calmness and that you know demeanor about him that you know he feels like he belongs there and that doesn't in a, in a big head away but he just looks a real calm and assured presence in there and he, he's obviously performed really well for the under twenty ones. Obviously delighted to see David Adamusu get called in as yeah. well. I think you know he's been rewarded for his form for Drogheda. Like you have got to remember David's playing you know Premier Division football week in week out. Probably the goalkeeper playing at the highest level of all the under twenty ones goalkeepers. So it's great to see him rewarded for his uh, his work. Yeah, and he's in for both games, both for the, the Luxembourg game and for Montenegro. And he certainly looks a real prospect. Tell you what, James, we're blessed with goalkeepers at the moment, aren't we? If any of them can play up front, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them probably um, think they can. That's the trouble with goalkeepers. That, that, that was always the issue with goalkeepers. They always thought they were strikers as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come on to the senior side very, very shortly in that big game against Azerbaijan on Saturday. But let's go to the SSE Electricity League Premier Division. Uh, Shamrock Rovers 2 Derry City 1 so Shamrock Rovers stay 9 points clear after that win at Tallis Stadium on Friday Derry in front through Danny Lafferty but goals from Lee Grace and Danny Mandrew secured the win for Stephen Bradley's team I felt we were comfortable I thought we went in 2-1 up at half time deservedly so and then second half we were comfortable it wasn't a great second half in terms of quality but I thought we were comfortable and, uh, and seen out the game. Yeah, they were they were a good side tonight. I thought Derry, especially in the first half. They are a good side. They have some good players in the attacking part of the pitch, uh, and we knew that. But um, it's just about us focusing on what we do, uh, keep picking up points, and and, uh, and the rewards will come. And, and we've done that last week, and we've done it again tonight. Happy with the balance of the side now, the way they're playing. Yeah, really happy, really happy. It's, we're starting to get everyone back. There's moments in the game that we are we are very good. Those moments we we could be better, obviously. But uh, no, happy with where we are disappointed we didn't keep a clean sheet but look we get the win and, and we move on to Dundalk next week Sure Rory Gaffney got the, the player of the match he's more of an out and out striker is, is that kind of the player that you need up there to cause somebody to put the ball in the net at times and I've always said our game's based around the team we, we've, not, we've never been based on get to one individual and hope something happens we're based about what we do as a team and, uh, and Rory is uh, brings the team into the game really well because you've said that in the past a lot of times that you know this is the way we're going to play we're going to play as a team whatever if if we don't have an out and out striker so well, we'll we'll work other ways around but he seems to offer that extra touch up front for you, doesn't he he does yeah he's a handful he's he's very very good Rory uh, at all aspects of the game um, but like I said we don't just rely on him just getting in the box and, and uh and having to score that goal, his all-round game is really important to us and he provides for, for other people, which is really important. Are you surprised that you haven't actually had, from the other clubs, much of a push from them from behind you? I've no interest. It's about us. It's about what we do. Uh, what the other clubs do is up to them. We just focus. We just focused on uh, on our games, picking up three points and, and uh, let the rest look after themselves. Crowds are back. 
good atmosphere around the ground. It's a pity there isn't, isn't some uh, away spectators in, which I suppose would probably add to it. But uh, after such a long time of empty stadiums, it's great down the back, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's. Uh, I think I said it during the week. It, the games around the league have been completely different when the fans have been back in. I think you you would know that from being at them. The energy, the tempo, has been totally different with the fans back in. And it was brilliant to have our what four thousand in tonight, and and hopefully that continues to grow. Uh, hopefully we're gonna have a full house sometime this year. That's uh, Stephen Bradley, Derry manager Rory Higgins. Wasn't too downhearted with the outcome on Friday night. He spoke to John, John Kenny, about Derry's long-term plans to challenge. We wanted to try and hurt them on the break and I think there was moments in the first half where we did but we just couldn't get up the pitch enough and, and right, they've punished us with a couple of goals in the first half and I was just slightly disappointed that we didn't. Uh, we were one all and we didn't see it out at half-time and shoot a wee bit of naivety and get punished for it. I suppose in a game like this you could have been tempted to, to sit back couldn't you and, and defend even try and hit them even more on the break Aye but to be fair we wanted I thought we played maybe too conservative first half and wanted us to open up a bit more second half but um, I think Rovers are the type of team that if you do become too open against them that they can really hurt you with the players like Mandrew and Watson, lads like that, they can really hurt you. And they pick up areas behind your midfield and, 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 and do damage. So we wanted to try and stop that space for them. But they're going to be champions, it looks like, again. And, and, and you can see that uh, at times tonight the, the real quality that they have. And, and I think that we deserve a champion. Well, from, from the outside looking in, you seem to be building something positive. There seems to be, the, what I can see, that the players are building into you, your philosophy of how to play for Derry City. Aye, um, we're only at the start of it. and. and we have a long-term plan and, and uh, hopefully we can become uh, or we can get as close to Shamrock Rovers over the next few years as possible because they are the benchmark and um, I think we're an ambitious club and, and, and we want to see the club grow and, and get better and, and hopefully we can do that over the next few years. But you should be able to me, you're bringing McElhenney in, Duffy has been announced this week, Will Patching is obviously, his name has been mentioned as well, any update on that? On who? Will Patching. No, no update. No. But you've signed Duffy, obviously, and that's obviously something that you can build. But obviously, he's a four-year deal. He's signed, is it? It's a four-year deal. Um, but again, he's he's got business to take care of at Dundalk until the end of the season. So we have to be respectful of that. And uh, we can talk more about more about that at the end of the season. Yeah, sure. But you're actually saying so. You got some money in now, some transfers, and players coming into the club. Whereas before, it was pretty static, wasn't it? Aye, listen. The the chairman has been brilliant. He, he, and and again, it won't be wholesale changes because we've got really good players here. We just need to add uh, a few in key areas. And, and as I said, we'll build and grow as a club and, and hopefully get better. Try and see out the season now. Get a European place is obviously the. The next protocol for you, is it? Well, we, we just need to hang in there. We were in an extremely difficult position four months ago. Um, if we can manage to sneak into Europe, it would be an unbelievable bonus. But we just need to focus on, on, on the next three points uh, on offer and try and take them. There you go. That's uh, Rory Higgins, the Derry manager, speaking to John Kenny on Friday night at Tallis Stadium. Not giving too much away there, James, about Will Patching. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. But um, it, it is strange to see it like and that. Gary, Gary probably want to tell us more about this, but it just shows you where Dundalk have gone wrong. Um, the fact that the likes of Patrick McElhenney and Michael Duffy can be taken away from them to Derry City, where for years it was the opposite way around, where the likes of Dundalk would go to the likes of a Derry City or a UCD or a Sligo Rovers and take players the opposite direction. So it just it just shows you some of the problems that are at Dundalk at the moment. But as from a Derry City point of view, if Derry City get European football this year, it'll be just such a wonderful turnaround for Rory. I'll be over the moon from 
but uh, he's still got a couple of results he needs to get to make sure he can get that fourth position. And then, of course, he has to hope that the only club above them who are still in the FEI Cup, St. Pat's, can go and win it. He sounds very confident about the future. And obviously, we have the news of you know the, the investment that is going to come his way in terms of planning. And obviously, the signing of Michael Duffy is so, so huge, as has been well documented. Patrick McElhaney going back there. Derry fans that you've been speaking to, James, are they very excited now about, about what's about to happen? They are indeed. Like You can only be excited. Like It brings you back to, I think it was 2014 or so, where you had Bob Michael and Patrick McElhenney playing at the side together. And you just look, I think the one position that really needs to be nailed down now is a striker, like what John was asking of Stephen Bradley earlier, but that out-and-out striker. Because Michael Duffy, I think he's the leading assist in the league with, with balls into the box and stuff like that, where a striker likes to likes a Pat Hoban or someone like that has put them into the net. And that is a position that is very, very hard to come by. Derry have tried with several strikers this season. And uh, if you get Michael Duffy in, you need somebody who's going to be on the end of the ball to convert his balls into the box. And once they nail that down, then they'll definitely go in the right direction. Gary, your thoughts on, well, in particular, Michael Duffy, your old teammate at Dundalk heading to Derry City. And James referenced it there. Perhaps uh, Dundalk not doing their business in the right manner in terms of contracts. He's going to be a huge loss to Dundalk. And of course, we, we just don't know what way the future is going to fall for Dundalk at the moment. So there are troubling times for Dundalk supporters. Yeah, look, they're hugely worrying. Uh, look, it's not something that's come out of the blue. It's it's been something that's been on the go for a couple of seasons now, where you're you're allowing players' contracts to run down even past the season, and and then even at that, have been very slow to kind of, you know, get deals done. And I know that Michael Luffy, even last year, he was let go until the season was over before his contract. Generally, look, you do your business early. Like clubs around the league are would be actively doing their business now and speaking to players and lining them up for next year, and that's just part and parcel of football. You know, Dundalk's strategy. You know, it, it baffled everyone at the club, players included, last year of of leaving guys who were after reaching group stages of the Europa League to for the contracts to run out, and and some guys left and. Um, some guys were obviously deemed surplus to requirements, and, and now you've got the situation where you've got Patrick McElhenney and Michael Duffy, arguably two of the best, most talented players in the league, uh, leaving the club. So for Dundalk fans, you know it's a real blow. But for for Derry City and for Rory Higgins, you know it's a real boost to them and what what the, uh, Rory Higgins is trying to do for next year. And I, I certainly think that you know the way Derry are doing their business and the players that they're getting in and the calibre of the players that they're bringing in, you know, all signs are very, very good for Derry City. Gary, in your experience, because of course as well, you were involved with the the PFAI, the Players' Union, at what point, generally speaking, at what point in a given year or a given season would clubs start to negotiate with players? I I know it probably varies, but... Yeah, no, it varies. Like even say throughout my own career, I would have had signed contracts in, in September, certainly, or even before that. And like, so certainly, it's not, um, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for a club to come to a player early in the season. Look, if his form is good and he's young and they know he's coming to his contract is coming to the end, they would tie them up early in the season as well. So, you know, even this, this is kind of uh, right now would be late in terms of, you know, tying players down that are at your club. Obviously, you know, Derry have, have, have signed a couple of guys on pre-contracts, which, you know, it's good business because they know the situation at Dundalk and, you know, that they've taken their eye off it um, in terms of getting deals done. But Derry have capitalised on that. and uh, But it wouldn't be unusual now for, for, for um, players to be speaking to clubs 
over the certainly you know it, it would have already happened but it will intensify now over the next few weeks so so lads say at Sligo Rovers or Finn Harps or Bohemians depending on the nature of the club and the, the structure of the club at this point in early October they'd, they'd have a fair idea whether they're going to be retained for next season or if they've another club coming in for them they'd have a good idea where yeah absolutely I think you know okay. the majority of players will, will know where they're at with, with, with their clubs and they'll also know if they haven't been the, if they haven't been spoken that it's time to kind of obviously you know put in some good performances that somebody else may be, may be looking for you and that's just that's the nature of the business you know this run into the, the end of the season it's important for for so many reasons not just for results but players futures like they, they they may deem that they're surplus to requirements at a club and they may hear that another player is coming in in their position and they know that they have to play well from now to the end of the season to get a move possibly elsewhere. So that, that's just the way the way football operates. Yeah, it must be very difficult for players when, when, when their, their future is uncertain because obviously you've got the, the really good players, they're going to be, you know, they're going to have clubs chasing them. But for, for lads who maybe struggled with the injuries, they approach this time of year and it can be very difficult if the phone ain't ringing. Yeah, it is, and that's look. It's a difficult industry, and people probably don't see that. And fans may like they'll probably miss them points that you know guys are are, are like that's their livelihood. And okay, and obviously in our league, we're, lads are not generating the same sort of wages that you would in the UK or the Premier League. It's far from it, but you know, it, you know, the same demands are put on you in terms of you know what you've got to do in order to you know to play well and and nutrition and all the sacrifices that go into being a professional footballer. Like they're the same regardless of what your wages. are so it's um you know it is it is difficult but guys have to back themselves and 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 you know really play to their best of their ability and the run into the season in, in order to kind of obviously do their job for the club that they're currently playing with but also for with an eye on 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 the season ahead as well yeah james we tend to forget that don't we that you know these lads have to put food on the table and that this time of year can be very very uncertain for for so many players in the league it can be, and I think this is where some kind of credit has to go to, as you mentioned earlier, Gary was a member of the PFEI board. It, some credit goes to them because every year you'll see about two or three days after the season finishes, you'll see the PFEI list of players who's who are free agents, basically, who haven't been re-signed by the club. And if you look down through it, it the amount of players that haven't been spoken to by the clubs by the end of the season, just going by that list is phenomenal. And you have to think and look at so look at someone kind of go, oh that's a that's a name I wouldn't have expected to be there, if you know what I mean. So, so there will be some deals that need to be done, and then generally I think is it's it's probably around November time or maybe early December they come together for a camp, and then that number is lower down depend on who can go to the camp and stuff like that. But it's just the nature of the beast here in Ireland. It's not an industry at the minute. It's it's still a a sport not an industry and that's the, what happens to players like and, and fans as Gary rightly says kind of forget about that kind of forget like we go along every Friday or Saturday evening watch them play and then come November we don't really think about them until we're back to February again and some of these players may not be in football by that stage again and that it all comes down to the fact that the football here isn't treated like an industry. Okay, well, let's go back to the events of the weekend. Draw the nil, St. Pat's won a stoppage time winner, and what a belter too from Alfie Lewis to give Pat's a one nil win at Drada. The man of the match was involved in the build up to the goal. Dara Burns. He spoke after the game to Tony O'Donoghue. Oh, I think we deserved a, a late, a late win after the couple of results we've been on the back of the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Rovers have done us twice at home late on, but it's good to get a last minute winner and celebrate in front of the fans. 
as well as your all-round performance. You gave an assist for that as well. Yeah, I, I, you can't really comment the assist. The, the shot flew into the top corner. I think it's all about Alvi's goal, to be honest. It was just a little drop-off, but he, he won't hit one sphere and that one flew in the top corner. You'll remember that forever. You were the club player of the month this month and in July. This is your first time becoming the SSC Electricity uh, player of the match. But uh, the future looks bright for Dara Burns. Uh, please, God, I just take it, take it game by game. Uh, I'm still only young, you know what I mean? So I'm learning, I'm learning every day and training. And with the experienced pros, I'm in there with every day. They help me along the way. So hopefully I can keep playing well. But a great team performance, so that's the main thing. Gary, there are a lot of talented young players in the league. But I tell you, he's had some season, Dara Burns, hasn't he? Yeah, no, he's been excellent and uh, every time he's played, he's been a real threat and look, he's got six goals as well. But one thing, I know James spoke about stats earlier on, his accuracy on his crossing is probably the most impressive thing. Like he puts a high percentage of his balls into the box are good balls, which, you know, speaks volumes for his quality. So he he's had a terrific season and he's had a terrific month, if you like, as well, like the player of the month for, for St. Pat's. And, um, obviously an assist for the goal of the night so he, look, he's a real bright future he only, he's only 19 years of age but there's lots of really talented young players um, you know, in around that 18, 19 uh, at St Pat's and obviously other clubs as well so it's uh, it's been terrific for him Elsewhere Finn Harps 2 Dundalk 2 Tunde Oalabi gave Finn Harps a first half lead Michael Duffy and a Pat Huben penalty within a couple of minutes just past the hour mark uh, putting Dundalk in front before Oalabi scored his second of the game so a point apiece there uh, Longford 1 Bohemians 4 Longford good value for their lead at half time thanks to a goal from Dean Williams but Bowes really turned it on in the second half Tyrek Wilson with a smashing free kick Georgie Kelly scoring twice just no stopping him at the moment and then the young Jamie Mullins with the fourth Bowes 4-1 winners over Longford Town and at the showgrounds it finished Slugger Rovers 1 Waterford 1 Slugger Rovers in front just before half time Andre Wright Phoenix Patterson with the equalising goal for Waterford so a point apiece at the showgrounds uh, Harps 2 Dundalk 2 honours even I, I guess matches between Harps and Dundalk as we saw even in the cup uh, close run affairs but in a way, a point is always good to get, especially on the road. But given the situation that both clubs find themselves in, Gary, they would have been really gunning for the win, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Dundalk's form over the last week or so, or two weeks maybe, have, has really turned around. And, you know, they've had a lot of games, but, you know, they've managed to grind them out and get a, get some wins. And obviously a big win against Bohemians of the day. But, you know, Ollie, Ollie and the Finn Harps have been difficult opponents for Dundalk, obviously, in recent weeks. Um, but uh, like the goals in, in, in that game, like Michael Duffy's um, goal and uh, Olabi's goals, like they were excellent. And I think you look at probably on the balance of the game, a draw was probably the fair result in it. Yeah, that was a worrying halftime situation for Bohemians on Saturday night, James, when they trailed Longford Town by a goal. To know, but as I mentioned there, they they really came up trumps in the second half. They needed that. They're right in the hunt to, to qualify for Europe via the league. Obviously still involved in the Cup and the Cup semi-finals to come home to Watford. But that was important that they got the three points there. But they're, they're right in the mix now for that European spot via the league. Yeah, they seem to have a little bit of a blip, but that seems to have been overcome now. I think Georgie Kelly has eventually found a club where he looks as if he's settled and he's going to score goal after goal after goal. But I don't think Keith would have looked at it too much. In fairness, Longford had the most of the first half and deserved to go in at half-time leading. I think Keith just comes out and like, listen, lads, we need to put our own game on this and then eventually run away with the win. Um, a great result for them, as you said. It keeps them looking in the hunt for fourth, maybe even third place. Um, but it is, if you look at the other result, the Sloyo versus Ward for the result, and it, it kind of dictates 
John said this to Stephen Bradley in his interview about the others below them not really putting on a chase. If you look at the form the Sligo Rovers have been on of late, losing, losing, I think they've won one in 11 or 12 games or something, or two maybe in 11 or 12 games, but are still third in the league. So that'll tell you how poor everybody below Shamrock Rovers have been, that nobody's actually caught Sligo Rovers at this stage. Great result for Bowes. I think Keith will try and push on now. Cup semi-final to look forward to. If he brings some silverware this year, I, th- I think he'd be, he might be knighted at, at Daily Mount Park. Never mind, uh, get a, another year's contract. Gary, you've had a, a lot of former clubs. Sligo Rovers, of course, one of them. You won a league there and a lot of success, Cup as well. What do you make of what's going on? Because as James mentioned, the recent form, it's, it's just been so, so poor. Yeah, look, it's been... You know, they've had a real patch where they've lost, I think it was five or six games by a goal. So they were just on the, the wrong side. I know Greg Bulger has has been in and out of the team of late due, due to injury and I think he's been massively important. Like Sligo Rovers have a very good side, but I think when they miss two or three bodies, like they missed, um, they've missed Bulger definitely and I know John Mann has been out for a game or two as well and Gary Buckley missed a game. But when they miss you know, two or three players at any one time, then they're moving players around and, and it weakens the side considerably and I just think that uh, if they had you know that consistency of selection, you know, they've been very good because defensively, you know, they've been very, very good. I think Ed McGinty's been excellent in goals for them and, and Mahan and Buckley have been an excellent partnership. McCourt has been good, but when the bodies are down and they're having to move players around and play them in different positions and I think that has hurt them. You know, they've they've obviously had a win last week and drew with Waterford. I think through the draw against Water for the weekend would be very disappointing for them because that was a big game for them, you know, to kind of put a little bit of distance. Like they're only four points ahead of Derry City and, and five ahead of Bohemians, and Bohemians have a game in hand. So it really is closing in on them, and they need to pick up a couple of results now in the next few weeks. Okay, on to the weekend that's uh, looming. The big game for the Republic of Ireland for Stephen Kenny and for Ireland against Azerbaijan, Gary. What are you feeling about this one? <laughs> I, I, I'm feeling that you know. I, I think off the back of that that survey result, I, I'd be feeling that they'll um, they'll go and get a win in this one. I think you know, obviously, you know, the whole country is wanting that as well, and I'm sure Stephen and all the players are. Um, but I do think that you know that uh, that win is is coming, and I think um, you know it's a great opportunity. Like you have to remember, like Azerbaijan and no pushovers. No. Um, we've been over there in Karabag where we played against a very good side and a lot of their internationals are in that side and Carabag are, are Champions League regulars so you know it, it's you know we're, we've no divine right just to turn up and win these games like, we have to go and go and play well but there's no doubt that we're um, we're capable of doing that and obviously look lads have gone back to the clubs now and have been playing uh, football regularly and um, you know guys will be coming into it now fit, more match fit and ready for, for the game and obviously it's great to see Shane Duffy back and playing well and Enda Stevens is back in the squad so I, I, I do think that um, you know they'll go to Azerbaijan and get a win and it'll be great to get two wins in, in this uh, international window yeah but at this point we really desperately need a win for, for a whole variety of reasons but in terms of Stephen Kenny and his reign he, he needs a positive result and he needs a win really Gary yeah yeah look there's no there's no denying that that's, that goes without saying I think you know Dogs in the street know that he needs a win, and he knows that he he needs a win. But like equally so, like I know from I know Stephen well, and the backroom team that he has there, and they are, will be working tirelessly, obviously, you know, to to ensure that guys are in the best frame of mind possible to go out and achieve that win. And look, I, I spoke to Matt Doherty during the week, and I know that he's he's eager to get back into the international camp. Obviously, loves representing Ireland and. Uh, um, can't wait to go to go and play against Azerbaijan and, and, and Qatar in the next week. So oh, look, all all going well. We'll we'll get uh, you know two results and um, 
two wins hopefully and you know it'll be a little bit more positive because I think people are all sick of, of the kind of you know the the question of Stephen Kenny's future I think you just go and get a couple of results and, and put that to bed for for the time being and are you worried at all about the the absence of Seamus Coleman no Darrow Shea either does, does that trouble you you'd like to have them obviously um, but like you know Matt Doherty playing a right back sure it, it's it it's you know it's yeah. a matter of opinion who's who's better obviously Seamus has been terrific and and but like you know, you're not exactly weakening the side there either. So, um, obviously O'Shea has been excellent, but Shane Duffy has come back into form. So, look, it provides other guys with opportunities to come to come in. And Omar Bamadeli was brilliant against Serbia. So, like, you know, there's guys there. They're all internationals now, and they've all played and got a cap. And yeah, you know, that would that um, will stand to them and give them confidence going into the games. James Azerbaijan discuss. Yeah, I think as Gary's already mentioned, I think they've got ten of their squad are from Karabag maybe even more actually from Carabag. So um, they've all got quality. They're all playing Champions League year in, year out. Uh, it's not going to be an absolute brush over as we've already seen. We can't underestimate how good they actually are. I feel for Steven because every time even a squad is mentioned, we former players come out, like for instance this week, we'd Paul McGrath come out and say he's not the man for this job. Straight away we've got print journalists jumping on the squad saying why isn't this goalkeeper in, why isn't that? striker in who's played two and a half minutes in the premiership in the last three months why isn't he in the squad etc etc so the knives are definitely sharpening within the irish press and and the former players once again for steven so if he gets a result of this and I, I i'm really really hoping for his sake and for, the, for not even for his sake for the, the squad's sake because if you look back at the games they've lost they've lost by one goal to portugal in the 92nd minute of a game so it's not as if they've been absolutely kicked off the pitch. They've got some good results, the draws and stuff like that. But, you know, results it's a results business. And he needs to go out now and get that first result and get a good result against Azerbaijan. Yeah, but, but just on the Paul McGrath thing, James. Paul McGrath is entitled to his view. And if that's his view, that's his view. Yeah, no, he's entitled to his view, his view OK? But listen, Paul McGrath was in a team that didn't, didn't need a midfield. Do you know what I mean? He played in an Irish team that didn't need a midfield because the ball never went anywhere near them. And, and and that's the type of mentality that Stephen Kenny is trying to change. And he's trying to get kid, these lads to play football and play in attacking way. And let's be honest, I don't know anybody, bar the results. I, I, there's very few people who say they haven't enjoyed watching Ireland play over the last year. But you can't ignore the results played. either, bar the results. <laughs> exactly, you can't. Exactly, that's the issue. This That's where the issue lies. Yeah. Despite losing by one goal and stuff like that, he needs now to put this to bed and go out and get two good results in a row. If he does that, will it go to bed? I doubt it. Some people just don't want him there. Some people see his um, his way to that managerial role as not being nice and him not being qualified for it. And that will never change. Unless something miraculously happens, that will never change. But as we said, it's a results business. He has to go out and get results this weekend and then follow up with the second result. Okay, live on RT2 television on Saturday. The game kicks off at five o'clock. Also live on Saturday Sport on RTE Radio 1. Big, big win for Piemont in the Women's National League over the course of the weekend. 10-0. What a result for them over Treaty United. Shelburne won DLR Waves nil. That game... Well, historic because it was the first league game, National League game, to be shown live on television, covered by TG Cahar. 
and it resulted as I mentioned in a 1-0 win for Shells over DLR Waves Noel Murray named player at the match Alex Kavanagh with the only goal Wexford Hughes nil Galway won so Wexford's unbeaten run brought to a stop 16 year old Avian Costello came off the bench scored the winner for Galway uh, and her birthday is actually today as we record so she turns 17 today Monday so well done to Avian Costello and earlier in the day her cousin Kate Thompson had scored the winner for Galway's under 17 side so a great weekend for the family in total at Lone Town 2 Cork City nil. and of course coming up this weekend we have the Cup semi-finals Shelburne taking on Galway and the holders P-Mount United taking on Wexford Youth so those two Cup semi-finals James they're to be savoured yeah the P-Mount Wexford one is going to be an absolutely cracking game uh, I think Wexford will be really rich Wexford have great quality in this in the Cup um, so it should be a really, really good game. As far as the league, I think I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when P-Mount um, hammered shells um, in, a, in a second half. That was just a wonderful second half by P-Mount. Um, I think that was the league done and dusted. Um, but yeah, these Cup semi-finals are going to be absolutely brilliant. I can't wait to see them, actually. Uh, Gary, obviously, like everybody else, uh, well, like most people anyway in this country, you, you keep a close eye on the on the Premier League. But it's fascinating, the title race. It's very early, of course, but it, it's so, so tight. But that game between Liverpool and Manchester City at the weekend was, well, they, they described it as a thriller. And certainly the second half was, was thrilling. But, it, but generally, there's very little between the top sides at the moment. No, it's, it's very exciting. I think, you know, that it's great when you have that kind of quality up at the top of the table. And even the Premier League in general... Even the, the the smaller teams, if you like, you know they've they've got great quality and they're capable of beating big sides, you know, on any given day. But you know the game the weekend between Liverpool and Manchester City, the goals in it like Foden obviously and Mane, Salah's goal, De Bruyne, like these these are you know obviously world class players and uh, you know the goals in the game and and the atmosphere of it. Like it's great to see the crowds back in. They really make it. It's so important to the game and. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a brilliant game in Anfield at the weekend. All right, listen, lads, we'll leave it there for this particular edition of the RT Soccer Podcast. As ever, thanks to James O'Toole, and good to hear from Gary Rogers once again. We'll chat to you very shortly, I'm sure, Gary, on the RT Soccer Podcast. Until the next one, from all of us here, bye bye.